Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar we fucking love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes that experience better. Look, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. It's crazy fun. I've done it for years. But watching a game in a spot that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID stole that from us for a while, and the ACO is giving it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge and legitimate TVs, and their full complement of great food, service, and drinks. It's big. It's comfortable. It's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes. During this incredible Warriors season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's basically family friendly. I can go here, get hammered with my friends and get too passionate, or I can roll with my wife and kid and just enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. What is up, you guys? This is Bram from the future. So kind of weird, unusual circumstances. In fact, it's not just Bram from the future. This is Bram and Wes from the future. So the unusual circumstance is we had CJ Holmes come in this week. Brand new beat writer, a guy who has taken over for Connor. He was phenomenal. We really enjoyed having him. And one of the topics we covered was how worried are we about the Warriors? And we did that before the Lakers game. I did that kind of because I thought the Lakers game might not be significant. I hoped I wouldn't have to fucking talk about it. And then now here we are. The Lakers win and it requires at least some, some conversation. And I reached out to you, Wes, for a few reasons. Mm -hmm. One, I needed somebody who didn't require an introduction to our audience. I needed somebody our audience knew because I hate putting together those introductions. But then two, I needed kind of some informed, objective takes because I'm probably steering mm. and you know, veer towards being a homer here. So I, I, I need your, uh, I need your distance from the team. How are you, man? I'm good. And the distance has never been greater from the team than it is right now. Uh, talking to you right now from Miami. So, um, look, I, I'm, I'm doing well, but certainly uh, I'm doing better than the Warriors have been doing lately. Okay, you fucker. I mean, you, you know I'm in a vulnerable state. I'm sure you can hear from my voice. I'm fairly hungover. And really, it's a compliment. 
how much it wasn't sure if you were just tired. Oh, I mean, it's just because you can't see the video. I mean, it looks like someone punched me in the face many times last night, which basically did happen, you know? And this is a testament to my love for you, bringing you in right now, because I know that the Heat are playing well, and we've exchanged texts, so I know that you were kind of questioning where the team was. So be gentle, Wes. Okay, just be gentle with me. So I have, you know, in about 15 minutes here, the audience is going to hear me talking about why I'm worried about the team. And that opinion shifted a little bit now with this Lakers game. But before I spit anything else into this mic, let's just get your fresh take. You know, so factoring in last night, man, where are you with this Warriors team? How concerned do you think fans should be? My level of concern is pretty high. Um, I will say this, even when the Warriors were blasting the league over the first month or two of the season, I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid as much as I think everybody else in the country was because I still, I, I've, I've seen too many times great, like just teams get out to a great start. And it wasn't that I didn't think that they would be great. I just, I'm, I was still in very much wait and see mode. And I think with the Warriors, and look, they, de- they, they deserve our deference, right? Like they deserve the benefit of the doubt, even despite the last two years previous to this one um, because of the star power, the history, the, the culture of the organization staff, like they, they, they deserve that. But I still wanted to hold out and just be like, all right, where do we, what does this team look like at the all-star break? What does this team look like when they go through a rough patch in the season? And so um, I think I'm, my, my level of concern is pretty, is, is, if I'm being honest with you, pretty, pretty high. I think that there's inherent flaws in this team that I don't think, they can fix. Uh, the only thing that they could do is overcome them with their strengths, which I think was always the plan. But right now, those strengths have not been their strengths. There's a variety of reasons for that. Draymond Green being out may be chief among them, but Clay Thompson not looking right. You know, Steph having, you know, a good year, but not, you know, he's not in the race for MVP anymore, right? Like, there's, um, and, and there's a myriad other flaws that we can get into, but that's really where I'm at right now. Um, I, and, and we can kind of take a directions, Brent. I'm hungover and I need you to be gentle. I mean, I'm <laughs> over here just trying to get through my Sunday morning. I didn't think you're going to be this brutally honest with me. I mean, I've been pretty clear, man. I needed you to like at least baby steps into a you know fifth or sixth punch to my face here. Give me some optimism. <laughs> Give me a take of why we shouldn't be worried. So I heard you, and I and I wanna I wanna focus in on some of the problems that you've identified. But but give me your wildest reason about why Golden State will be fine if uh, if you can. I mean, you could just look at the on-off splits when they have Draymond. It's a diff- it's a completely different team. Yeah. I mean, it just is. Like I I actually was watching a game the other night. Obviously, Draymond was not playing. But I'm like, maybe it was the Timberwolves game, I think. I just remember watching that game, and I'm like, is Draymond their MVP? Yeah. <laughs> like, is Draymond Green the Warriors MVP, yeah. not Steph Curry? Because you can make a real argument that that's the case. Because you just, obviously, Steph hasn't missed several months. but And I'm sure, it, and it's very different. And, and this, this Warriors team has the same problem that the championship Warriors teams had, is that when Steph is off the court, it doesn't really matter. They're, not, they're, they're an average to bad team. And that's the sort of the impact. That says more about the impact of Steph than it does the rest of the team, but whatever. Um, I just think that they really miss Draymond. And when he's back, it's a completely different team. And the numbers bear that out. The record bears it out. Like, you can look at any stat. You can't really poke a hole in it. So the idea would be like, hey, once Draymond comes back, he's sort of the skeleton key that unlocks everything. And I know that we still don't really know, like, the whole Draymond thing. Reports lately that he's maybe two to four weeks away or something like that. Like, if he's back by the playoffs, then they should be fine. 
But then again, we don't really know what Draymond's going to look like when he comes back. It's kind of a weird injury. You don't really know how a guy responds to that, even when he's back on the court. So whatever. But if there's reason for optimism is that this team is its best version and very and a lot better than what it is right now when Draymond is playing. The perfect transition, right? So what I say later in this podcast, and I stick by it, is like, look, I'm not worried because of health. Now you bring back Draymond 100%. I feel like it erases a lot of these problems. And I stick by some of the things I said. But one of the reasons I wanted to tag something on this morning, and it, and it bleeds into what you were saying, and actually it bleeds into a little bit of what CJ says during this podcast, but that there is a chemistry piece that's currently missing. You know, while the Warriors yeah. were, were putting together this incredible first half of the season, while they were you know dragging themselves first to the top of the West and then to the second of the West, it wasn't just the skill they were showing. It was that joy we hadn't seen for a while, you know, and the people spilling off the bench and the ball hopping around and the switching on the defense and just the fun on the court. And that fun has been sucked out of this team recently. And, you know, it's, it's real possible that, that Draymond's skill set and his personality brings a lot of it back, but it's not just health that's missing. And the thing that's fucking concerning, man, is we're running out of games, you know, if, if Draymond comes yeah. back next game, there's only 18 left to kind of figure out these rotations and this this you know this new reality, and he's not coming back in this next game. So, it yeah, yeah. it was worrisome. And also, did we just resurrect the fucking Lakers, Wes? Is that what just happened with with a with a 50 point performance from LeBron, and now they're like you know still kind of playing? Is this the part where I play therapist? You told me to go easy on you. I had yeah, that well, look, ready, man. like. In the pocket, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that to Bram. That's the last thing you want to see here. But now I have to play therapist for you. This on is a your Sunday fault, Wes. This is your fault. I was like, I'm teetering, just teetering right on the on the chasm <laughs> of depression. And I bring you in, and you immediately tell me how great you're doing and how worried I need to be. And I'm scared. I'm, you're not even on video. I'm just staring into a screen of myself close to tears. Like, this is not how it was supposed to go. The quotes after last night's game against the Lakers where, like, Steve Kerr is talking about, you know, we just couldn't solve their problem. Like, they're like LeBron, and they were playing small, and they spread the floor with shooters. And I was like, wait, the, team, the Lakers that have nothing but issues that can't – like, the, that Lakers team that can't figure out its own stuff. It can't figure out its own way to win games this year. And all of a sudden, the Warriors are having a problem from an X's and O's perspective against the Lake, these Lakers? That's me. And if I, I, we could, there's a, a couple of different directions we can go in. We've touched on a couple of different things, like the X's and O's schematic stuff. There are concerns there. But I, we could also kind of go in an emotional route, too. And you're sort of touching on it with the chemistry. And I really don't like the, and the joy, the lack of joy. I really don't like the quotes that I read after last night's game and I've read lately. I really don't like when Steph Curry is out here saying, we show, and this is the same thing that Warriors fans, like if, if you're an optimistic Warriors fan, you're like, hey, we were awesome at the beginning of the year when Draymond was healthy and everybody was going. We were we were blitzing the league. It looked like we were going right back to the finals. All this stuff. I hate when players and coaches talk like that. Those are really troubling quotes to me. Steph, if I'm a fan, I don't want to hear Steph saying, "We saw, we know what kind what kind of team we can be because we were that team at the beginning of the year. We just got to get back to that." I think if you are uh, if you are in the NBA and you are thinking about trying to reverse the clock and go backwards and you're thinking in past tense like that, I just, I don't think that's the right mindset. I think if you're the Warriors, you need to be focused on growth, you know? And I know that they're, I know that they are, but I don't think the, 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 that first month of the year is any sort of validation that, that is not proof of concept. Like every team that you're going to be dealing with in the playoffs 
is better than they were at the beginning of the year. It's almost like a, like a, a bad restaurant that used to be your favorite restaurant. And you're like, all right, this used to be my favorite restaurant. And I'm going to keep going back, even though the food's gotten worse. And I can't really put my finger on why it's not as good as it used to be. It's just not that hot new restaurant in town that used to be it. Maybe a chef changed. Maybe somebody quit. Management changes something. I don't know. But it's just not as good as it was. But you keep going back to that restaurant for months because you're like, it used to be so good. That restaurant never comes back. That restaurant never turns around. That restaurant goes out of business and something else is put in its place. That's kind of how I feel like the Warriors have been lately. It's like, we used to be this hot new thing that everybody was so excited about. We got to get back to that. No, you need to figure out what your team is now and grow from that and be, be and try to be better than you were, not at the beginning of the year, but better than you are right now. That's the step that, they, that's the mindset that I think they should have. You've actually helped spur some optimism just because of, of how pessimistic you just were. So I'm going to add a piece to that analogy, right? This, this terrible restaurant that has gone, or a great restaurant that's gone in the wrong direction. If their like most important chef disappeared while the, you know, while the, the quality of the food is going in the wrong <laughs> direction, there's a reason for it, right? So let me take steps back. When I say worry, what do we mean? I'm not worried that they fall out of playoff contention. I'm not worried with the skill sets that are on this roster. Nothing that I've said this year, you know, I, I love where Kaminga's going. I love who Steph is. I still believe in what Clay can contribute. I think that Draymond can come back. These skill sets all speak to me, you know. But when we're saying worry, in the beginning of this season, I viewed these guys more and more as title contenders. That sheen mm -hmm. is, you know, that's when I say worry. It's hard to look at these guys and see a real easy path to the finals. Yeah. There, there's definable fixes, but they're running out of fucking games to find those fixes. Yeah. Especially if you're losing to a, a G League team that has LeBron moonlighting on it. You know, I mean, they're DJ yeah. Augustine. I didn't even know he was still in the league, Wes. <laughs> and he's, he's hitting these big shots. So it's, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's concerning only because I thought that we were moonwalking to this fairy tale season, yeah. just like every and, year, you know, that's not, there's going to be some roadblocks. It looks like. And that going back to the joy, it's really easy to play with joy when you're the best team that ever was assembled. You have more talent than anybody. It's so easy to play with joy in those instances. It's much harder to play with joy when you have to grind through a regular season. That, like, there's no team in the league this year that's just breezing through. Every team this year has had bad moments. I and mean, Steve Kerr keeps saying that, hey, everybody over the course of regular season has bad stretches. But that's true. The key is excising those bad stretches and playing your best basketball as you get into the postseason. It doesn't look like the Warriors are going in that direction. Now, there's only 18 games left, but there are, there are also 18 games left. There is time. But um, I, it's, I, I don't think joy is going to solve anything. I don't think joy solved anything. And I think that might be a hard reality for this Warriors team where I actually, um, I, I, I told you that I dislike some of the Steph quotes that I've read lately and heard lately, but um, I, at the same time, I kind of like that he's being a little bit more not joyous. Like I, I kind of like that he's being a little bit more angry about it. And I was like, maybe, maybe you need to like disregard joy for a little while and get back to like, a big FU middle finger. Let's use this as bulletin board material, Michael Jordan style attitude, Kobe Bryant, black mama attitude. Maybe that's what they need. And instead of trying to like talk themselves into having fun, if you're talking yourself into having fun, you're not having fun. Right. And so, and I, and I just, I feel like they've gotten, not just this year, but they've gotten into stretches of like, of like that over the last, like the last, I would say the last KD year. And then the last couple of years, they'll talk themselves into trying to have fun. And maybe fun isn't the answer here. 
which goes against the Steve Kerr ethos, I understand. But um, Steve Kerr is also a, an angry MFer. Like he's a competitive MFer when he wants to be. And maybe they got to channel more of that than the, than the joy stuff. I mean, what I'd like to see is a return to consistency. You know, if it's not consistent yeah. happiness everywhere, then at least consistent rotations, at least a consistent approach to defense, at least a consistent approach to offense. And we have really lost that over this last 10 game stretch. And I, I, I still believe in them. You know, I think we let's fast forward a couple of weeks. I think we're going to have a much different In fact. I look forward to having you Brack on and it'll be a, you know, I hope the heat are terrible. I hope you've fallen out of our fantasy. <laughs> I hope this whole circumstance is different, you know, and I'll, and I'll make you show your hungover face at that point. But <laughs> is, is there, I was kind of flippant later on in this podcast about why I think that Draymond can fix everything if he's immediately healthy. And I, it's important that we put something up front here after that Laker game that says it's going to require a little bit more than just health. You know, not that yeah. they can't, not that they can't, but that <laughs> there's something that's currently missing and we got to find it. Mm. Um, what do you think is up with Clay? Because he looked at the shot was there. I get that he's coming back from an illness and I get that everyone is entitled to take a couple steps back. And, you know, maybe that's all this is. But the, the shot is looked far more off than I can remember. Any any guess? I mean, is this, is this just part of a, a long recovery after, you know, a serious injury? Maybe it's a rhythm thing. I know Steve was talking about, you know, the, the weird migraine thing that he had kind of took him out of conditioning and out of rhythm. I don't know that I buy that completely, but maybe it's true. Um, he's just a different player when he when he when he's got back from these injuries. And I think that it, that should have been more of the expectation than, than maybe. Uh, and I'm guilty of this than people in the media gave it credit for. I think we all looked at the work that Clay was doing and were really optimistic. And we saw him making a hundred threes in practice, but he was making a hundred threes without a defender in front of him, you know, and he, a shooter is never going to lose his shooting touch, but a shooter can lose his rhythm. A shooter could lose his conditioning. A shooter could lose his legs. And I think, you know, in a lot of instances, defense powers offense too. And it kind of creates momentum. And I think it's an overlooked thing in the NBA, but uh, Clay hasn't been the same guy defensively. And when you're not when you're not able to make an impact on other areas of the game, all of a sudden the shooting becomes paramount more than it ever was. And if you're not this lockdown defender, then you have to make threes in order to make a positive impact. And that just puts a little bit more mental pressure on making those shots. And I think last night in the game, you know, for whatever reason, you know, Steph drove and kicked against the Lakers, wide open shot. This is like in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter, wide open shot for Clay Thompson. And he just sort of hesitated and then, and then kind of stepped into it, kind of weird. And, and it was just off rhythm for no reason. It should just have been any other – like Clay's made that shot a million times in his life where you just step right – just, just uh, uh, catch and shoot three-pointer wide open, no problem. But it was just a little off. It was just a little bit of a, of a hesitation, and he, he claimed it off the rim. And that was a big miss shot for, for the Warriors late in that game against the Lakers. And so – I don't know. It, 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 it feels like it's a mental thing with him when you start seeing that stuff. But you see shooters like that have that all the time where they're just in a slump and, and you got to shoot yourself out of it. Um, we've seen Clay Thompson go through slumps in his career before. Um, and he's always shot himself out of it. So maybe that's all it is. You know, maybe we're reading too much into it. I have no, I have no doubt that Clay is going to be still one of the best shooters in the NBA. It's just when he has these slumps, he's just not as impactful in other areas as he used to be, at least not right now. Of any of the things I was I, you, you also said, you also said something before about um, some of the rotation stuff, and they have to fix. And I just want to, like, so 
something that concerns me is when I'm watching that Timberwolves game, I know we're talking about the Lakers game, but it happened even against the Lakers, where you have like role players just beating Warriors defenders off the dribble. And I know there's been a lot of like Steve Kerr, anti-Steve Kerr stuff, fire Steve Kerr stuff lately on Warriors social media. But at some point, like Otto Porter can't just let Torian Prince drive by him on back-to-back possessions. Torian Prince, you know what I mean? Like a player like a lot of people have never even heard of. And he's just like dribbling past him like he's James Harden, you know? And it's... Um, Dude, Torian Prince? Like Did you hear me from earlier? DJ fucking Augustine. I think he took a time yeah. machine to the game. Like I, I literally, I think he like he snuck in as a fan and then stormed the court and the Lakers are like, you know what? Actually, we need some help. Come on out here. And then he killed These us. Guys a be better. No, these these players are, and that's why it's not like everyone. What, what, it's an uh, uh, um, you know existential problem. Is it a chemistry thing? Is it Steve Kerr's fault? Is it a schematic thing? At the end of the day, these players just have to be better, and none of them have been really good lately. Like yes. these role players, I'm talking about. Like Bealisa yeah. is basically out of the rotation. Otto Porter has not been the player that he was the first month of the season. He's just been borderline bad. Um, like you're not getting any real minutes from Iguodala at this point. You're not. Like Kaminga, he shows flashes in the here and there. Moses Moody does too, but they're rookies at the end of the day. You, Do you can't think put this is so much feel, of that on them. This is not helping me, Wes. The Bielita, a few weeks ago, we talked about how he's basically given up on his personal grooming habits. It looks like he's slowly becoming homeless. Like he just does not care at all as he checks in. But here, I'll, I'm going to push us with a last blast. Bielita needs like queer eye for a straight guy to come into his apartment and just Dude, just pick like, him up really quick. Just, give him just an emotional to start it. That's exactly that. They're going to take him to the side. like, look, we're going to, we're going to reinstall your confidence. We need you to be able to contribute, but let's start here. Comb your hair. If, I mean, just if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have and to a use a brand new kitchen. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Like run your fingers through your hair before you check in. If that's cool, you know, like you're making other people kind of yeah. bummed out here. But here is two blasts of optimism. <laughs> Number one, there are things yeah. I'm worried about with Clay Thompson. If you come back from a giant injury, you know what? One of them is not his fucking shot. You know, and maybe it's off right. now, but I do think it starts to fall. And here's number two. I'm with you. Worst case, worst case, when I say worry about this team, what it means is that I'm going back to the best case of what I thought of this team going into the season. You know, before they tipped mm. a single ball, before anything happened, didn't have any expectations. Sure as shit didn't think they were a title team. Maybe sixth seed, maybe fifth seed. What did I want? I wanted these guys to get experience. I wanted Clay to come back and get some burn. I wanted Kaminga to get real minutes. You know, I wanted to see what we had. Worst case, then that's happening in spades. We, you know, we're seeing Moses get time. We're seeing Kaminga develop. We're getting Clay, you know, uh, some, some wind underneath him. I mean, those things that we wanted when we weren't shooting for a championship are all happening. So, you know, worst case, mm-hmm. we're building, hopefully, a foundation for one hell of a run next year. But, Wes, you know what I didn't want to be saying? If we, if, if past, if I could, like, take a time machine and go back to past Bram a month ago, and I came out, I was like, good news, we're building for next year. I wouldn't be super <laughs> happy about that, man, you know? Right. So, I, I still yeah. think, you know, that this, we could absolutely turn it all around with Draymond, and, but if it doesn't happen, you know, remember where we were before this shit started, and there, there's still some upsides to this. How'd I do? Did I talk you into it, or are you still uh, like super <laughs> smug Miami guy over there? Well, number one, I just want you to know. I don't know. I don't know that I've told you this, but I have I have money on the Warriors coming out of the Western Conference, and I took that hey. uh, in, the, in the first before um, before sports gambling shut down in in Florida again. I, it's like <laughs> the last bet I made. I also put twice that amount of money on the Phoenix Suns, but we don't have to talk about that. But um, I, did, I do have money on, on the Warriors. So it's, 
uh, there was faith there, right? I, um, I don't know. I, I think that's still the right way to think about it. Because when it comes down to it, the Warriors have had a really hard time this last week or so stopping the star players. 56 points to LeBron, five short of his career high. Luka Doncic tearing them apart. Carl Anthony Towns tearing them apart, right? But that's what's that, – the Warriors need Steph to step up in that way. We know that Draymond's going to help him with that, right? When it comes down to it, the playoffs are about your star player, your best player, right? And it's about a, a million other things, but really it's about your best player. That's yep. why the Bucks won last year. Giannis was unstoppable, even though Phoenix, I think, was the better team. Giannis was amazing. And so they won the championship. If Steph can be Steph and Clay can break out of his slump and yep. Draymond can come back and do all the things that Draymond does, well, then now all of the issues that we have with size and rebounding, all very real things become less concerning because now you're making the other team match up, right? You're making the other team go small. You're doing all these things, which is what the Warriors want to do when they're at their best and do do when they're at their best, right? But that's like, it's just to get to that level of being at their best and forcing other teams to match up with them as opposed to vice versa. Yep. That's right. That to get to that, that degree of difficulty is so much harder than it was during the dynasty years. They, and they just got to figure out how to climb to that in a seven game series for more times than their opponent. But that's the same thing that Dallas has to do. Denver, uh, Phoenix, like all the, it's the same thing for all those teams. How can they get to their, how can their best players dictate the game for uh, more games than the opponent's best player can? The, the, you know, best case, worst case, you just hit it back or you just said it uh, all in one, one sentence. You know, the, the good news here is, you know, how many collective minutes Steph, Draymond and Clay have played together this season? Our three best, you know, foundational players, zero, zero. Clay comes back, Draymond takes a symbolic tip and then sits. So they have literally, they have not played one minute together and they're 22 games over 500. So reason to be optimistic. What, you know, what the bad news is, those guys haven't played one minute together and there's <laughs> only 18 games left, you know? And like, and they're already kind of having difficulty figuring out what this new rotation is. So uh, the health could be coming, health could solve things, but we're running out of time, Wes. So um, mm -hmm. I'm a little bit worried. I miss you, man. It's great to have you back, even if you didn't help my hangover and I might be a little more sad than I was when we first started. Uh, for people who need way more Goldberg in their life, want to check in on you, get your work, where should they go? Check out the podcast, Locked On NBA, every Friday morning. Um, check that out. I'm also also on, I'm, I'm over at Locked On Heat daily if you want to know what's up with the Miami Heat. And then you can check out my Substack, westgoldberg.substack.com. Um, and you can subscribe for free over there as well. And then follow me on Twitter and Instagram, WC Goldberg. I can only assume that on Locked On NBA, you guys don't talk about the Warriors at all? Just, you know, because I haven't, I haven't got an invitation. Oh, that's weird because I haven't I haven't been invited, so I figured there must not be a whole lot of Golden State content <laughs> on there. So okay, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll, I must have missed the text. Dude. I'll start checking the phone a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Wes. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you soon. Right. Good stuff. Good talking. We're gonna bring y'all to our huddle. You are in. We're starting with me, Graham, with me per usual. My boy, producer Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? No Maxine today, which is probably why my sound is so awful. If you can't hear what the hell I'm saying, blame Maxine, shoot him an email, something like that. But way more important, I am crazy fired up to announce that joining us for the first time 
a former writer for The Athletic, The Sporting News, Sports Illustrated, SB Nation, and The Dallas Morning News, a member of the University of Auburn basketball team, the new Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, and a man who apparently agrees with me that Spencer Dinwiddie just hates the Warriors, and that even GP2's missed dunks are awesome, Mr. CJ Holmes. What's going on, CJ? What's going on, Bram, Marcus? Thanks for having me, y'all. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited. <laughs> um, let me start this with an admission. So first appearances always make me kind of nervous, man. They feel like first dates. Like, so at some point today, probably up front, I'm going to really force humor. I'm going to start sweating profusely. I might pass out. I don't know. Who knows how I'll fuck this up. But as that happens, I'm going to need you to be the professional. All right. So like <laughs> whatever it is, I flub, whatever it is, I push, give me a couple fake laughs, something. Just work with me as we go forward here. Is that cool? I got you. I got you. Was that good? That was no, no, that was fine. Like, honestly, that was professional level. Like I, I think for sure. Okay. This is a relationship that's really going to work. I, uh, I like watching you go here before we get into earnest, a quick shout out. A shout out to Jenny, whose social media handle is at New York Believe for sending me this dope ass hoodie. So oh, look, look at this. Check out the back. Kind of a nice little back going. So if anybody would like to uh, also take advantage of Jenny's work, hit her up again at New York Believe. I know she's a listener and we really appreciate you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, Did Jenny just send one hoodie? How come you get the hoodie? Where's my oh, no, hoodie? She said like, She's not like five or six, but no, they're okay. all just staying. Yeah, they're all just staying right here. They're different colors. I don't feel like it would fit you. I don't know. There was a weird sign on one of them that said more for Marcus. And I, I don't know what the hell that meant. I know that that's the one I'm wearing. So it's working out fine. Um, CJ, your first chance to be a professional. So how obvious was it that I did that to try to encourage listeners just to send me free shit? Like super obvious or not really? Not really obvious. It was really smooth, uh, really subtle. And, you know, hopefully there's some payoff to that. Let's go. I like yeah, lots guy. to learn about this, this podcast, CJ. We do not agree no, with no, Brand like that. Okay. <laughs> the first thing you need to learn is don't listen to Marcus. Also, at some point, Marcus is going to agree with you, hook, line, and sinker, because he agrees with all of our guests constantly. So, like, just, just know when it happens, think in your mind, he's just trying to kiss my ass. Don't you let Marcus try to build this relationship out of nowhere. All right. Our uh, our first segment, I, we got a ton of Warrior stuff. Um, but before we jump into the Warrior stuff, it'd be insane. We have you on the first time, and we don't at least get to know you a little bit. Uh, you'll see, hopefully, as we build this relationship, 90% of this is Warrior stuff, but then 10% is soap opera that just deals with our personality. So we got to get to know yours. For you, I know you're coming to us from Philly, but where'd you grow up? Where are you from, Grew up in the D.C. area, man. Uh, you know, grew up playing, you know, high school ball, AAU. Uh, you know, always enjoyed reading and writing when I was a kid. And it's kind of led me down the path I'm on now. So I played, I went to Osborne Park for my first two years of high school, played on the basketball teams there. Then I went down to IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida for my junior, senior years. Um, you know, played on a great team, won a lot of games. Uh, you know, which eventually led to, you know, a potential opportunity to walk on at Auburn. Um, so I remember sitting in my coach's office my senior year and, you know, as a walk on, you still kind of got to, you know, fill out the typical school admission application. I remember coming to the, you know, the question, you know, what do you want to major in? And looking at those bubbles, I had no idea. 
Um, so I kind of turned to my coach, Vince Walden, in his office, and I was just like, you know, more, you know, in a nutshell, I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. And he said, well, what do you like? And I was like, I like sports, I like reading, I like writing. And he was just kind of like, you know, come back to practice tomorrow. I got something for you. So the next day I come back to practice, go in his office, hands me a book called Don't Put Me in Coach by Mark Titus. Um, read the thing cover to cover, you know, just reading about Mark's career at Ohio State as a walk-on, how he kind of became like a, a cult hero for the walk-on community and the brand he was able to build for himself, you know, not only as an individual, you know, but but as a writer. And, you know, of course, later, you know, he was able to turn that into, you know, a job at, you know, what used to be Grantland, evolved into yeah. the ringer. I think now he has the Tyson Tate podcast over at Fox. But, you know, that kind of inspired me, man. I kind of said, you know what, I want to be a sports writer too. So got to Auburn. Uh, my freshman year was more just like, you know, core classes and things like that. Uh, didn't get into, the, you know, the journalism classes until my sophomore year. Um, that 1100 class was a monster, though. I actually failed it my first time around. It was like a, you know, basically a glorified spelling test. Like 100, 100 words, AP style. You had to get – there was four tests – um, you know, for the semester, and you had to get like above an 80 on each of them. Well, one of them I got like a 75, so I failed the class <laughs> and had to retake it again the following semester, uh, the last semester of my sophomore year. Thank God I passed it, um, second time around, and you know, started writing at the school paper, the Auburn Plainsman, and that was a cool experience, man. Kind of, it's kind of where I kind of, uh, got my roots under me right um i remember times where i had to come out of practice oh you know after practice go back in the locker room throw on something presentable and have to go back out to the game floor um inside auburn arena i guess which is now neville arena neville court i don't know um to uh you know cover a girls game and you know got to cover you know a bunch of different teams off off campus uh you know, a lot, a lot of people who I knew personally, but, you know, I kept it objective. You know, yeah. some people some people had some thoughts, but, you know, I kept it objective. But, uh, you know, that turned into an internship at Sporting News. And, you know, then that turned into, uh, you know, a, you know, an on an on-campus thing with Sports Illustrated as a, you know, an SI campus correspondent. And that turned into an internship with the Yelp like Auburn News and, you know, I thought I was in pretty good shape around graduation. You know, I thought, you know, you, you hear all those horror stories about journalism and how it's so hard to find a job. And I was like, nah, it's not going to be me. I'm nice. I'm nice. I'm the next Titus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I thought I was in good shape. But, you know, lo and behold, I got done with my summer, summer internship following graduation at the Opelak Auburn News with no job offers. So I had to move back home to the D.C. area. You know, living in my mom's basement. Kept grinding, though. I was working at Ralph Lauren Polo in Potomac Mills Mall. Um, did a lot of freelance work for, you know, SEC country. I don't know if that's still a thing. And did some freelance work for ESPN, SB Nation. And just kept grinding and chugging along. You know, I actually almost ended up in the Bay, you know, sooner than, you know, what I have now. I got into grad school at UC Berkeley. I was going to do their – new media program, kind of a focus on documentary, thought I could, you know, add some skills to the sports bag and, you know, do something special with it. Um, you know, just add some more tools to the toolbox to make myself a more desirable candidate. But okay, of course. Luckily, um, about maybe two months or so before I was supposed to leave for Berkeley, I finally landed my first job at the Dallas Morning News as a digital producer. Um, I was there a year. Um, the Athletic came and got me. 
hired me to cover the Arizona Cardinals. And first I'm like, why are you guys hiring a basketball guy to cover football? But, you know, that's besides the point. But uh, so I was in the Phoenix market covering the Cardinals for about half a season. And then the Cardinals were so bad. You know, I was second on the beat behind Scott Bordeaux, and the Cardinals were so bad. It seemed like there wasn't a lot of compelling storylines to go around. So they made me more of a general assignment guy. So I started dipping in on the Suns, Arizona, Arizona State basketball and football. Um, at the end of that year, I was reassigned to move down to Tucson, Arizona, to cover U of A basketball and football. Uh, till this day, that is the worst football team I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, Basketball team I covered that Nico Manny and Josh Green, Zeke Naji team. Um, they kind of sure. they were kind of underwhelming during the regular season. Then they started to turn it up, turn it up. Uh, you know, in the SC turn now the SEC, the Pac-12 tournament actually played arguably their best game of the year in that first round against uh, University of Washington. Yeah. Then then COVID hit, man. Uh, COVID hit. That was a tough su- uh, summer in terms of you know the uncertainty, no sports, and still having to generate story ideas. Then uh, the, the athletic got rid of the Arizona team, and as a result of the pandemic, they, they made some layoffs. I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to keep my job. They moved me to Philadelphia to cover uh, Big Five college basketball. For those that don't know, that's Villanova, LaSalle, Temple, St. Joseph's, and Penn. Did that for a year, felt like I killed it. Um, then just this past November, um, I got reassigned yet again. Um, to NBA news and features and I was about a month or two in on that role well November December yeah about two 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 months in that role and I, I decided to cut, do a news shift from um, the Wells Fargo Center one night you know for a Sixers game I think they were playing the Spurs or something got a DM from Christina Carl at the San Francisco Chronicle said hey we're hiring a Warriors writer, by the way. That's all she said. And I was like, yeah, I'm extremely interested. I sent her all my stuff right there on the spot. Um, one thing led to another. The process moved really quickly. And, you know, now I'm here in the Bay, um, place where I've always wanted to be. I've always wanted to live out here. I've always felt like I was more of a West Coast kind of soul. And, uh, you know, transitioning to this new role as a Warriors beat writer has been tough. Uh, they kind of threw me right in the fire. But. You know, I feel like I'm taking my punch as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be covering, you know, you know, such a prolific team, you know, a team, you know, I grew up watching, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, all those championships. Just, uh, you know, obviously I'm not on the team, but, you know, in a way it still feels cool to, you know, be a part of it. So I got a lot of follow-up questions. First, let me give you the elevator pitch on my relationship to, uh, to this program or really just who the hell I am. Between the two things, literally building your way up to your dream job, which is essentially where you are now, or failing a class in college, I can associate way more with the failing a class in college. Just <laughs> fucking, just way more. And the whole, like, I'm not sure what I wanted my major to be. I've been working on my job now for two decades. I'm still not sure what the hell I want to do when I grow up to. So <laughs> I, I am both impressed, but if I'm being honest with you, a little resentful, you know, like I don't have, I'm not doing my dream job, but let's go friends out. here, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Look, I'm bitter. CJ, you're going to learn, dude. I'm a sick bastard. Right? It, it is what it is. But good news, we do have a healthy member of the show. So we're gonna. I'm going to ask Marcus. He heard that you're in your dream job. We're going to ask him, you know, are you happy for him or are you bitter? Marcus is going to tell us he's happy for you. But I think internally, I think he's also kind of bitter, but we're not actually going to hear that. Let's find out. MD, so dream job, dude. This guy, 
and he didn't didn't get it. Luckily, I mean, we heard him. He had to he had to dig it out of the muck. So I mean, he he deserves it. So you hear this guy is in a dream job. He's doing it now. Your first opinion is good for you, or internally like ah, a little bit jealous kind of thing. No, you're spot on. Good for him. I mean, I, I, you know, anytime somebody goes through the grind like that, he didn't fall into it. So, you know, you got to respect the hustle and, uh, you know, the fact that he landed here. He should have came when he had that chance to go to Berkeley, go Bears. You know, that, that was a opportunity right there. But glad it came full circle. Um, it's supposed to happen when it's supposed to happen. So um, if he would have if CJ would have just landed this like right out of college, right up from the basement, you know, at, at mom's house, then that, I think that's a different story. But, you know, he put in the work. So when you put in the work, I think you reap the rewards. I'll give you, you know, jokes aside, man. Um, I have been consuming basketball news for longer than I care to admit. And the what you just described, the origin story for my beat writers is exactly what I want. I want a background in hoops so they know what the hell they're talking about. I love that you started covering with the girls team. Because what, the, what that immediate, if that's me and I'm doing that, it puts me in a scenario where I'm, I'm working out my skill set, but I'm working out my skill set with people who I'm really comfortable with. So you probably get to start developing questions you wouldn't be able to ask other people, and then you get to carry that over. And then the idea that you weren't immediately successful, that you have the background, that you're talented, but that you're motivated, that's the trifecta. That's what I want. You know, so look, the ass kissing aside, we're fired up to have you. I've been following what you've been writing so far. Um, you may, heard me made jokes. Connor's a very close friend of both me and the podcast. He has been nothing but effusive with praise. So we're fired up to have you. Uh, a couple of real quick follow-ups. So you'll pick up, I'm wearing warrior gear. That We pass ourselves off as media members, but we're Warriors fans, right? And our perspective is kind of Homeristic based, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, what's your perspective of this team looking from afar? You know, like the just any opinions, how you viewed this squad before you got here. And the, the, the main one I was going to ask is, when you think of the Warriors, do you view them as this homegrown dynasty? You know, is it the Steph and the Clay of it all? Or are you one of the people who thinks, look, Katie made them and then, you know, Katie left them? And I should warn you that how you answer this will mean whether or not I really like you or hate you, but I mean, up to you, like, <laughs> no pressure, man. But yeah, that, anywhere you want to take that. How, how did you view this team before you came? They're the champs, man. What can I say? I mean, like I said, I grew up watching, you know, these Warriors teams and, you know, how they kind of change the game of basketball and, you know, emphasize the three-point shot. I mean, because of the Warriors, the NBA is a completely different landscape nowadays. Um and like I said, it's just so cool to be, you know, you know, covering this team so closely every day and getting the, you know, a front row seat um, to what is, you know, truly one of the more special franchises in the league right now. Um, and to your second question, man, they're a homegrown dynasty. I mean, they built through the draft, right? They were able to establish success, enough success to be able to attract a free agent like Kevin Durant to Golden State. Um you know, I know it's the Warriors podcast. I'm not trying to sound like a homer, but like, you know, I would make the argument they, they would have been in just as good of a position to win a championship without Kevin Durant as they were um, with him. Now, granted, getting Kevin did take them to an unbelievable level, but, you know, they, they were winning championships with Harrison Barnes at three. You know what I'm saying? Like, the thing you know about what, Gold- CJ, 
fuck Marcus. I don't know why he was bitter about your success. I'm nothing but happy for your success, dude. I really like it. And I think it was well-deserved. Oh, that's, uh, that is on the money. Um, last background question, then let's talk Warriors. Any truth to the rumor that you've been really hope, almost praying that you could come on this podcast for the last few years? I mean, like that's, that's been a, an ongoing goal for you or? It's like I have a whiteboard above my bed, and this has been written in all caps, in red, you know, circled multiple times. So this is a dream come true for me okay. personally. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we We've could heard that with so that. many times, CJ. So many. Yeah, I'm just, it's, it's, but I don't get tired of hearing it. You know, I mean, it's it's fantastic. And we call it the red whiteboard, Jake. And it's, you know, it's a fantastic one. <laughs> And we I'm excited uh, too. I grew up with I grew up with Bram. I don't know if you know the CJ, but we played basketball together in high school. Um, and I'm just excited that finally somebody else has a better jumper than Bram, too, besides just me. Well, Normally it's just me holding it down. Nobody but, said that. This is these are facts, not an evidence. I don't know why. I mean, he went to IMG. I you don't get into IMG if you're not if you're not balling out. And then, you know, to walk on at Auburn's no cakewalk either. So I can guarantee I haven't even seen him shoot a jump shot yet, but I know it's better than yours, Bram. I mean, again, this is, I don't know where this shot came from or why it had to be done. I like, I, I think our it's on my is, vision board in red above my bed. That doesn't, that's just, <laughs> Talk that about means you want to make shot. it happen. That doesn't make it true. That means you're something you're aspiring to. I don't think you know how vision boards work. Hey, who's nicer though? Between, between you two, who's nicer though? It's not even at close. What? Not even close. Yeah, anyway, I mean, factually inaccurate. 21 nothing. Oh my God. No, just the lies continue, dude. I'm not sure we ever played. 21 but if we did i do believe that i could win and here's what i really love i love that you asked a question that put something between marcus and i you are built for this show cj let's go man cj phenomenally well during during the our opportunity to go to the chase center and shoot a, a shot from the free throw line on the actual floor we bought we got to do that ask bram how much of the rim he hit I did airball that. I did a hundred percent airball, and I <laughs> will give you. There's ball. a segment. There's a segment that's coming here. I was. So I will tell you, MT, right now. I I challenge you to a free throw contest out of ten. I put a hundred dollars that I beat you. Real deal, and we'll put it on. We'll put it on Zoom. What's up, contest? Let's do it. CJ, you you heard this. You watch it. You're going to enforce this for us. All right. If you'd like to be a part, how's, how's your free throw game? Are you pretty? And IMG, did you have to go through a fucking free throw uh, contest? I was on like 82%. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yo, yeah, you're part of this too then. If you'd said 90, then you're out. But 82, you're in. Boys, let's talk Warriors. And MT, I know that we are going to lose you soon. So I'll throw it towards you first. This is our glass half full. Here, look back at recent hoop, last few games. Take it as far back as you want. Give me something you like or don't like about Warriors basketball. MT, floor is yours. Cool. Uh, I'll start off with don't like is that it, this losing streak is reminiscent to the dog days. Um, and the fact that this is happening this late in the season is a little cause for concern. Um, normally, we'd like to see this kind of stretch where it's just, you know, you're, the players are tired and the season's kind of drolling on, but you'd like to see it happen a few weeks earlier, if not a month earlier. Um, so it, happening this close to when games matter in the playoffs is a little concerning. So don't like that. But what I do like is that it's affording, um, I think, invaluable experiences for uh, Moody and Kaminga specifically, uh, those guys are going to have a chance to play a role in the playoffs. I know the rotation is shortened, but Steve Kerr is going to have to dip into the bag a little bit. Um, I'm not sure Iggy's going to be able to come back and 
and play all the minutes that he normally would um, unless they're just saving him and he's going to go Superman. Um, But otherwise I think they're going to play some critical minutes and it's these experiences are helpful. Like Moody scoring 13 straight and kind of having just great basketball plays against Dallas uh, last night to me was a silver lining in in a bad stretch of games, but one that's going to pay off in the future. I'll piggyback and then we'll turn to you, CJ. Um, I also like that we saw, you know, look, they've lost seven of nine. If we're pulling out things that we like, it's very small, specific things. And I've got some questions that are designed to show us what we're worried about for the Warriors. But as far as Kuminga and Moody are concerned, I love the dimension that Kuminga adds. Seeing Kuminga on this Warriors team is like adding um, monster truck tires to a Porsche. You know, it's taking something that was already elite and excellent and giving it an entirely new dimension that we have just never seen. The last time the Warriors had somebody with this kind of physicality who could bully their way to the rim was Corey fucking Maggetti. You know, it, it has been an insane amount of time, and it's a pleasure to see it, but I'll back that up with something I don't like. Kuminga's lack of a, of a consistent rotation. You know, if what we're trying to do is build this guy's confidence up and let him know how he can contribute, I wish that he could count on a certain role and a certain amount of minutes. I looked at this to get ready. Here are the minutes beginning in February through February 24th for Kaminga. 29, 26, 36, 25, 28, 27. Here are his minutes since. 17, 23, 17. I I just wish he knew what to expect. This is a guy who's going to grow. He needs consistency, and we're not getting consistency. So as a stupid small thing I don't like, it's that lack of consistency for Kaminga. CJ, what do you got? You know, in, in this tough stretch of games, you know, for the words, it's been kind of hard to identify things that you that you that you absolutely love, right? But you know, one thing I got to say is what I love is that you know Steph Curry's kind of evolution, right? With Draymond Green out, Andre Iguodala out, those are two point four types who are you know really good at you know getting guys involved, strong defenders. Um, but most importantly, from a getting guys involved standpoint, you know, the Warriors offense has been sputtering. Guys have been, you know, struggling to find efficiency because they don't have those quarterbacks in there. You know, Steph Curry's a scorer first. You know, yep. Clay Thompson's a scorer first. And, you know, you know, preferably they'd like to focus on, you know, what they do best. But, you know, with those guys out, it's been hard to do that. But what, what I do like is how Curry's kind of been able to evolve his game um, coming out of the All-Star break. Now, historically, Curry has always been better as a scorer and a shooter percentage-wise coming out of the All-Star break. But this year, it seems like he's evolving in a different way. If you look at his assist totals, I think it's something like he had 14 against Portland. Um, I think he had, like, over 10 um, the next game against Dallas or, you know, somewhere in that range, four. And then he had, like, nine again last night, something like that. Curry's making a conscientious effort to get others involved. And that's something the Warriors really need right now. So that's something I do love. One thing I hate and kind of piggyback on, you know, Marcus's point is the fact that, you know, through all these press conferences, the common theme I'm hearing is like, we don't have the energy. We're not locked in. And like you said, this close to playoff time, that's a, this is something you do not want to hear. This should be a time where teams are surging, you know, like the Grizzlies are, like Utah is, like Dallas is. They're, they're, they're getting stronger. They're gaining momentum as we get closer to the end of the season while the Warriors – you know, they're still kind of in this place like, oh, we don't have the energy because Draymond's not here. Oh, we don't have the energy because, you know, Iguodala's not here. We don't have our veterans. And, you know, from a team like the Warriors, that's not that's not what you want to hear. Like, like, the fact is, 
even without having Draymond, even without having Iggy, there have been stretches without them where the Warriors have played well, you know? Um, and, you know, not having Draymond wasn't an, ex- an excuse. That that can't be seen, used as an excuse now, right? They have, they, you know, despite not having Draymond, they still have enough pieces to win. They've shown that they can. Um, you know, right now it just seems to be more of a thing between the ears. It seems to be more of a thing with, you know, knocking down shots. I mean, the Warriors put up, what, 113 points last night. And, you know, a lot of their top go-to scorers were struggling. You know, Curry was great last night, but a lot of their top go-to scorers were struggling. I mean, Clay Thompson's out here hitting the side of the backboard. You know, a lot a lot of the issues they face right now don't seem to be from an X's and O's standpoint or not even necessarily a personnel standpoint. It's a want-to standpoint. One thing I tweeted last night is just seemed like Dallas wanted it more. They were playing with more intensity. While, you know, you look at Golden State, you know, they're out there kind of – they're silent. You don't really hear a lot of communication out there on the floor. Guys getting hyped, you know. I, I know guys don't slap the floor in the NBA, but, you know, you, you just don't sense that energy out of this club right now. And, you know, this close to the to the season, not only do I don't like it, I hate it. Because, like I said, this is the Golden State Warriors. You know, this is a franchise, you know, that's been defined by excellence over the last couple of years. Um, you know, a team that's always sets the tone in terms of energy and pace and things of that nature. They haven't done that as of late. And if they don't get it together soon, I mean, it can have some dire consequences, you know, in terms of playoff seating. You're not wrong. Uh, good news. As I beat Marcus in the free throw contest, I will slap the floor at least three or four times. So something to look forward to. Um I do. I completely agree with you. And in fact, what I'll add to that is one of the things we've come to know this Warriors team with, you know, the, the highlight offense, highlight defense, uh, firework performances from Steph. There's a lot of things, a lot of staples of this dynasty, but one of them is cohesion. It's this idea that, you know, it's the system, not the player. And the, we've been having some issues with the system, which is concerning. I'll add one more thing I like, just random. And then one more thing I didn't, which is inappropriate, but is what it is. One more thing I liked, Clay's unflappable fucking confidence. And so, yes, dude, he hits the side of the backboard. There was a period where he had a wide open baseline jumper. He airballed it. He airballed it. And the next time down the floor, step back three that he just canned. The, the, the mental confidence. If I shot an airball the way he did from the baseline, I'm not shooting for, I don't know, man. Like, it had to be a layup, and that would be under protest. That he is so unflappable, I just love Here's the thing I don't like, and again, inappropriate. You don't have to agree with me. Luka Doncic's very smug, whiny face when he is calling for a foul that didn't happen. Like I, it's transitioning, right? Luka is going from a young player who I admired but didn't have to worry about, and now you know he'll be—he he might be the face of the league as early as next year. You know, maybe in these playoffs. And so I'm speaking from a bitter place, having watched him beat my team twice. But I cannot stand. He creates contact and then bitches about the contact. It'd be like if I came to your house and turned up the heat to 120 and like, it's hella hot in here. Like, what's up in your house? I, I couldn't stand it. It drove me crazy. And he has a very whiny, hateable face. Don't agree with me. Let's move on to our next segment. The five golden questions. CJ, this is kind of new to you, but the concept is an easy one. It's our mailbag. We, we ask people to reach out to us, give us questions. They occasionally get personal. They more have to do with the Warriors. These do both, but luckily it's mostly Warrior stuff. Here's our first, and it, it piggybacks right what we were talking about. Quote, the Warriors have now lost seven of nine and have looked lost on both the offensive and defensive ends. 
How worried are you about this team at this stage? I'll take this one first, boys, to give you a little bit of time to think. So I am worried, but not for the reasons that you'd think, all right? So I genuinely believe that a lot of these problems do have to do with health. We bring people back. You bring the Draymond Greens, the Andre Iguodala's, the James Wiseman's, or James Wiseman's of the world back. I think that some of this cohesion is going to return, and I don't think we'll have the same defensive problem. I'll, I'll oversimplify it. If you are a casual NBA fan, you know that Draymond Green is the heart and soul of the team. You've heard that said a thousand times during the final. If you are a casual Warriors fan, you've been watching us during the dynasty years. Well, you know that Draymond Green is the key to our defense. If you're a unnecessary Warriors fan, you've been watching this left and right. Well, then, you know, secretly Draymond's also the key to the offense. You mentioned, CJ, that like we're kind of missing some quarterbacks. The, 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 the distributing, the, the just general cohesion on that side of the floor is off. And I genuinely believe if Draymond comes back healthy and James Wiseman comes back and can competently be tall and jump high, just, just those two, just play post defense, just finish lobs, you know, just contend at the rim, I think we'll be okay. So why am I still worried? The health is not guaranteed, man. Back injuries that cause leg problems. There's a medical word for that, radiculopathy. And rest does not always make it better. It might, he might be fine. I know that he's, that he's with the team. I know that he's traveling. You know, I, I know all of that. But until someone can conclusively tell me, yep, Dre's coming back at 100%, and yep, Wiseman is ready to contribute, then I, they'll make the play. I mean, a worried is a relative term. They'll, they're going to make the playoffs comfortably, and they'll be dangerous. But you asked me this a month ago, they're title contenders. You ask me right now, without full health of those guys, I am really worried about using the phrase title contenders with them because I don't think it sticks. Not yet. There's, we need to see what's going to happen with these people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. How about you guys? You know, you know, ask me again after tomorrow night's game in L.A., right? But, um, <laughs> I mean, if they lose that one, I mean, then, you know, there's going to be some significant concerns across the board. Well, and CJ, tonight is Draymond's birthday, I think. And mm -hmm. so, like, the Warriors, generally speaking, a Friday night in L.A. before they play, uh, not the best. A Friday night is Dre's birthday when he's not playing the next day. If mm -hmm. everybody is not crazy hungover, I will be shocked, dude. And I am – and I'm hell of – you're 100% right. It's one of those litmus tests where if they lose to this shitburger Lakers team now, it's panic town. But, like, it's an absolute panic town. But I cut you off. Where were you going? Yeah, just kind of had it on what I said earlier. Um, you know, the you know the energy and enthusiasm thing is is not, not maybe not enthusiasm, but the, the the energy and focus thing is it's concerning, man. And you know, like I said, just because Draymond is out doesn't give the rest of the team an excuse not to bring it every night. You know, win or lose, not to bring it every night. Um, you know, those guys have to, you know, find it within themselves to produce the energy that, you know, that, that's absent, you know, with Draymond. And I guess the thing is, just just because they get Draymond back doesn't mean it's going to be a Draymond. Like you said, health isn't guaranteed. Doesn't mean they're getting back a Draymond at 100%. Who knows how many games he'll have to kind of ramp up into shape, into game shape before the playoffs start, if at all. Yep. You know, um, and if he's, you know, not 100%, then, you know, perhaps some of these struggles continue. 
that's why it's that's why it's concerning, man. I'd like to see this team in the next string of games kind of just find it within themselves to to rise up, you know, to you know put together, you know, play the, the way they played in the first the first through the first three quarters against the Mavericks for uh, you know a full game. Now, like again, you're not going to win them all, even playing like that. You're not going to win them all because sometimes the other team brings it too. But you know, the biggest thing Coach Kerr said he wanted to see out of this team during this you know then this road trip is consistency. So far, they've been consistent in all the wrong ways. So I need to see them. So I just, I you know, personally, I, I just need to see them, you know, string together some complete games to, you know, give me any type of confidence that with or, with, with or without Draymond, they can make some noise this postseason. CJ, there's some unwritten rules on this podcast. One of them is I need you not to have much better lines than me. And that, that consistent in the wrong way, that, that made my, my answer sound really stupid. So I'm going to need you to dial back that intelligence, man. That's fine. You know, we'll, we'll deal with that as we go forward. MT, you worried? Um, worried more so of the seeding. So I do think that we used to being able to see this team flip it and turn it on. And I think that they will do that. I think it's a much harder first round matchup and the switch is harder to, to flip on. Uh, against a Denver or Dallas than it is against a Minnesota or one of the LA teams. Um, Denver's, you know, getting healthy again. There's whispers that Jamal Murray and Kevin Porter Jr. or um, Michael Porter Jr. are coming back healthy. Um, you know, they're already a handful with just the way Jokic is playing. So you add those two guys and that's just, I just don't want to deal with that. Um, we talked about our issues with, with Dallas. So, I just I think from a pure seeding standpoint, we I'm worried because I think we need to hold on to the two seed and play whoever plays in that um, playing tournament and, and comes out of that just to make sure that we have a favorable enough matchup for us to get those games on into Draymond's legs and and get ready for a potential um, you know round two matchup that will be tough uh, probably against a Memphis. And then, you know, um, you know, everything's on the table when you play Phoenix this year, the way they're playing. CJ, you said something I hadn't really thought about. So one of the things I was going to bring up, one of the things I almost said in the don't like, it's only 19 games. So even if we bring them back, 19 games, is that enough to kind of figure out the rotations and like how this is going to work and the health? And the thing that you pointed out was that's if Draymond came back on Saturday. There's not, he's not, he is not coming back on Saturday. So we don't even ever, you know, that'll be 18, 17, 17. Who knows how much time they're actually going to have to ramp up, which is a little bit concerning. Other follow-up, MT, I know you said something else, but all I heard you say over and over again was, I could beat Bram 21-0. And I just hated, I hated you that entire, that entire response. I hated you. So it, it is what it is. Um, here's the, uh, the next question, but it's interrelated. So you're right. With them falling backwards, the group of teams they may see in the first now is way wider. You know, from what I can tell, the, and then we include the playing teams. It's the Wolves, it's the Mavs, it's Denver, it's the Clips, it's the Lakers, and it's the Pelicans. So our next question is, pick one for both sides. What team do you want to see? What team do you want to avoid in the first round? CJ, why don't you take us first? Definitely want to avoid a team like the Mavericks, you know, based on these past couple of games. You know, what Mavericks are so good at, you know, if Luka Doncic controlling the pace and, you know, being able to slow the Warriors down. Um, you know, Warriors are going to play with a lot of pace. And, you know, you know, Luka walks that thing up, takes his time and, you know, you know, plays within himself. 
Um, not to mention, this, you know, the team will, will have the confidence of these last two wins behind them. I mean, uh, that's the type of team that you, you do not want to see. Um, repeat those teams one more time so I can think of a team. Yeah, Minnesota. Uh, it's the Wolves. It's the Mavs. It's the Nuggets. It's the Clippers. It's the Lakers. And it's the Pelicans. Uh, don't want to see him. Definitely don't want to see him in Minnesota uh, based on what Carl Anthony Towns just did. I mean, you know, depending on, you know, we don't know when Wiseman's going to be back and that front line is still pretty thin, man. I mean, <laughs> Anthony Towns, I mean, Towns put up, what, 39 and nine against the Warriors the other night? It felt like I mean, a thousand. I don't know. Was it only 39? Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anybody score that much in an entire season. So yeah, it was insane. And, like that's a, that's a, Terrible matchup for the Warriors, and especially the way they're shooting the three. I mean, no, do not want to see them. I mean, who they want to see in the first round, definitely want to see a team like the Lakers. They are trash. Um, <laughs> definitely want to see a team like the Pelicans. Um, I just don't think they got enough on the perimeter to count for what Golden State has. So I'm with you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a weird transition on it. So Pelicans, hook, line, and sinker. It's, it's weird that they're even in the they, they won't be them. You know, they're, they're probably going to lose in that playing tournament if they make it. But it's been nothing but a shit show for them. And even if C.J. McCollum is making them look better, assuming that Zion is still nowhere close, yes, I, I absolutely want them. I'm in that. So Lakers makes perfect sense. Out there. They're, they're on the other side of a 30-point ass beating from the Clippers. They've looked terrible. I mean, all the reasons why you'd want to see L.A. Here's a reason I don't. If the Warriors are going to win a championship, you know what I don't need in the first round? An emotional matchup with the fucking Lakers that ESPN's covering every minute of that, like that just means more, you know, just cause it's the Lakers. And because we're going to have that, you just want an, you want the Pelicans. You want an easy cakewalk five game gentleman sweep off you go. You know, the teams I'd like to avoid really everything you just said. Um, I don't know if I could handle seven games with Lucas smug face. I feel like I'd break a TV. The Carl Anthony towns experience was awful. And who knows if Wiseman can do anything there. And Wiggins, you know, that one of the, I was going to add this to the don't like, you guys tell me if I'm off on this. All right. So I've been trying to come up um, with why Wiggins would be taking a step back. What's going on? Because his role is the same. And why are we not seeing? So here's what I've come up with. Tell me how wrong I am. Wiggins is phenomenal without expectations. And he doesn't play well when there are expectations. He's in Minnesota. He's the expected savior, the number one offense, the number one guy. Never met it. Always kind of ran away from that. Comes here, those expectations are immediately reduced. Immediately. Until what? Until he becomes a fucking all-star. And then all of that, now there are expectations again. All of us are expecting him to take the floor and be an all-star. And I feel like they're weighing on him. You know, I, I feel like they're, they're slowing him down. What do you think? Viable? Ridiculous? Where do you guys stand on that? You know, the all-star hangover can be uh, – is real, you know, especially for, like, you know, first-time guys like Wiggins. Is it weighing on him? Like, I don't know. You may brought up a good point in terms of, you know, when there are expectations on him, you know, kind of struggles when they're not. Um, you know, I think Wiggins is aware of this. Um, you know, we said the other day after practice, you know, he knows shots aren't falling. He's kind of trying to you know, recalibrate the jumper and get it going. Um the thing is, you know, the thing is, when I, you know, I think I wrote earlier that, you know, Wiggins just has to be efficient, you know, in his role. He has to make the best of what's been given to him. That's what, you know, got him to the all-star game. Um, yep. And he's going to have to focus on that, you know. With Clay Thompson and Steph Curry on the floor, 
um, he's not always going to get a lot of shots. When he does get shots, he has to take complete advantage of it. Um, what's been hurting Wiggins right now is his efficiency. Um, what got him to the All-Star game was efficiency, right? Yep. Um, so he has to get back to being the efficient, best version of himself. Um, but, you know, whether, you know, the pressure of that is weighing on him, you know, I'm not, I'm not at liberty to talk about that. Yeah, I don't Marcus, think – would you mind saying, Bram, that's an amazing take? I cannot believe you thought that, Alan, because that would be that'd be great. Yeah. You're you spot on with the pressure. Um, yeah, I think it goes back to CJ's earlier point. I, I think Wiggins is suffering from not having that quarterback. Um, he he thrives when he doesn't have to be the playmaker, and he was super efficient when he could just hang out in that left corner um, and just hit those threes. You know, for whatever reason, the right corner he's not good at shooting, but um, you know, when when Draymond is in there and then now that you add Clay in there, too, and they're going to be causing all the defensive gravity to focus on them. You know, I think Draymond will be able to pick him out a little bit easier than the other playmakers that are currently healthy. And he will have those wide open shots again. And hopefully, like CJ is saying, he just needs to be efficient with it. So um, hopefully he's putting up those shots and that confidence comes back and the law of averages kind of creeps back in his favor but I think it's more of a byproduct of of the quarterbacks of Draymond and Iggy not being there versus the pressure on him you're saying it's the expectations I'm understanding what you're saying <laughs> that a boy I'd like to see Wiggins just go to the hole more I, I, that's I want to see him go back to using his physicality and get there uh, but I derailed us MT what team you want to see in the first um I mean I'm with you the Pelicans obviously uh you know, like Brennan Ingram always scares me because he's talented enough to get you a couple games if he goes off, but th- that team's not deep enough. Um, and I'm, I'll just reiterate, I'm worried about Denver. A healthy Denver to me is scary. So, um, yeah, I, I, obviously Luca, um, I wouldn't like to see his face either. I agree. He, he seems like every single call he's like that wasn't the right call and I was like dude like you're you're not a referee like every single call can't be the wrong call so but um I'm least I'm less worried about a Dallas matchup if Draymond's healthy than I am Denver Denver to me is just they're a sneaky good team that if they're healthy I, I think they'll surprise a few people last two questions because I know I'm taking us longer than I promised so one of them is going to be talking about this quote from Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher went on TV. He's our former Warrior sideline guy. And he told us that John Moran is a far more dynamic player than Seth Curry. The door is open for, for John Morant to become that. And, but it's, it's I, and I like his chances of becoming the face of the league even better than, than Steph Curry's, who I don't believe for all of his success ever became the face of of the league some of it because of lebron james run but some of it because of the nature of steph curry like the one thing that we saw with john morant is he's got that edge there's that fieriness about his game steph curry being the baby-faced assassin being almost too nice of a guy for whatever reason that's never quite done it when it comes to being the face of the league and that's why i said going out of the last segment i wondered why you mentioned steph curry as as if John Morant would be succeeding him as the face of the league when Steph Curry has never been the face of the league. I was going to ask you guys if you agree with that, but it makes me hell of angry even to contemplate. So I'm going to change the question. What is it about Steph Curry that makes people question him as often as they do? 
You know, we're just on the other side of this Lillard thing. But every single time that there is a star, for some reason, if, if they're playing the same position, that's the first thing that gets thrown out there. But it doesn't happen with anybody else. You know, if there's a great uh, shooting guard, we don't start talking about Booker. If there's a great small forward, they're not taking shots at LeBron. What is it that you, if you guys can identify, what is it that constantly puts Curry in the crosshairs? Because I don't understand it. You know, th- this is the most accessible, friendliest, most entertaining superstar, perhaps in the history of the game. Why is this the guy that we want to knock off the fucking pedestal as opposed to all of us standing around the pedestal to make sure that he stays up there? I don't, I don't get it. Help me understand it. I think it's the narrative that, you know, Steph hasn't been able to do it by himself. But then again, that should have been erased after last season where the, he won the scoring title, did he? Or it came close? Yes, yes. No, yes, he did. I think I think that's kind of still in the back of people's minds that oh he's had he's had a, a Hall of Famer in Clay Thompson with him he's had a Hall of Famer in Draymond Green with him um he played with Kevin Durant for a few seasons so you know Steph's success has been based on the guys that are around him when you look at a guy like Damian Lillard who's essentially been doing it by himself a guy like you know John Morant who's basically doing it by himself you know in Memphis and but you know to to to, to the original question is is John Morant a more dynamic player than Steph ever was. I, I don't think so. I think they're both dynamic and exciting in their own different ways. Um, you know, Ja has a skill set that that Steph doesn't. I mean, the dude is a slasher extraordinaire. No one can stay in front of him. He's scoring like 30 points in the paint in like any given game. Then you got Steph, the shooter extraordinaire. He's, he's knocking down shots from half court. Um, you know, those, those beautiful floaters. I think they're both great. In their own different ways. What I hate is how, you know, the NBA media and NBA Twitter is always trying to, you know, compare guns, compare guys, you know, let guys be great in their own, you know, respective ways. There's no need, there's no need to compare greatness because greatness doesn't always look the same. Yep. I love that. It's like, it's like saying because a lightning storm is exciting, fireworks aren't. They're like, no, no, no. They can both be just in different ways. I think that's exactly right. What were you going to say, MJ? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's, there's two things going on. One is that the narrative of people are tired of, of talking about Steph and Jaws, the new hot thing. And there's some recency bias there. So, um, Steph, but why does it have to be on Steph's back? Why can't they just say, you know, John Morant's dynamic? He is absolutely. Why does the sentence have to be? Yeah. You have to pick one. I mean, that, that fits kind of the, the narrative of, of hyping it up. But I think that also the, the difference in where CJ was going to is, um, they're different. Like Steph is below the rim dynacism and Ja is above the rim. And they're two different kinds um, that, you know, play into different people's subjectivity of what they find thrilling. So Ja being able to rise up and dunk on people, and, you know, make a poster out of just about anybody, you know, is a, is a skill set that Steph never does. He's only dunks in all-star games. Whereas, you know, this shot, you know, my background right now, Steph is turning around and running away and the ball is halfway through, you know, to the rim and everybody else literally on the court of all-stars, best players in the world are all looking at the shot and Steph is running back. Like, I know it's good. And Ja would never be able to do that. So I think it's, it's the fact that people who, um, you know, if, if you're if you're not a big fan or don't respect 
women's basketball because of it. It's because a lot of it is below the rim, but you know, like the skills involved with it and what you find entertaining is different. And that's where Steph thrives. So I think it's just subjectivity and, and recency bias of the moment. What you're talking about is what the hell does the word dynamic mean? Right. Does it mean influential? If it's influential, no, you go into any gym anywhere at any point, anywhere in the world, you know what you'll see somebody taking a 35 footer. There's one person who, who could affect that kind of change. And it isn't fucking John Moran, right? Is it entertaining? Well, like you're saying, that's subjective. There, there, there's no objective. This is what means this is more entertaining. There's, there's, not a, there's not a scoreboard for entertainment. That's not how it works. Is it successful? Well, then we know who the hell it is. I mean, John might have an unbelievable career in front of him. But how many MVPs has he won right now? How many titles has he won right now? It's, um, it's an interesting conversational topic, but no, it is what it is. Here's our last one, and it's our personal one, and it's one I'm excited for. Quote, I know that CJ played for a huge hoop program at Auburn. If you played at college, would you ever casually mention that fact to an NBA player hoping that it would build a relationship with that guy? So, CJ, here's this thing we do. We call it Judgment Theater. Instead of just straight out um, answering a question like this, we put it out there and then we guess what someone would do. So start with me. You've got a chance to get to know me now. Marcus has known me forever. Let's say in this instance, I played for a large program. I am now a beat writer. Would I figure out some way to casually mention that I played in college to try to cater to whoever it was I was talking to? Why don't you take us first, CJ? What do you think? I think I think you would, man. Like, why not? I mean, like, 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 look at that goatee, man. You're gonna need any type of edge you can get to get you know build relationships with these guys. <laughs> I don't know if you had to take a shot at my goatee, but okay, fair enough. You know, yeah, fair it's enough. just like why wouldn't you though? You know, when you when you have that kind of perspective, I mean, that just means you can relate to these players in a way not a lot of people can. So, like, why not take advantage of that? Marcus, what do you think? Um, yeah. Not only do I think you would, I think you would wear your old warm-up jersey to, to those events. Don't you steal my joke. I show up to every press conference in my fucking jersey, dude, every time. It's just like, oh, this? Oh, you? Oh, this isn't what you guys normally wear? I thought, like, maybe I'd be asked to play. I would work it into every sentence. Like, hi, I'm Bram, who formerly played a cow. Hi, I'm like, you may have noticed me. You might remember me from the March As Madison a former cow movement. player, how did you feel your game was tonight? As two equal basketball players, let's really talk about So, yes. I would 100% do that immediately. Let's turn to Marcus. Um, Marcus is going to tell us yes now. He would have said no, but <laughs> now I think he's going to tell us yes because we've established that everyone's going to do it. So I say yes, Marcus would in fact do it, but he wouldn't wear the jersey. He'd be a little bit more subtle about it. What do you think, CJ? Nah. Nah, Marcus wouldn't do it, man. Marcus is about his business, man. He's trying to he, – he, he real straightforward, straight shooter. He, 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 he doesn't need any ends with these guys, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. I thought, is it because he doesn't have a goatee? Like, I mean, like, you could have just said no. Dude. It didn't have to be like, no, he's so confident. Right after you just shot shots at me. I, I can't believe this. I can't believe where this is going. My goal, my goal is to put you guys against each other. Well, mission succeeded. <laughs> mission accomplished, you motherfucker, but it is what it is. Okay. Marcus, what's your response? What would you do? Uh, I would not do it, but um, I think it I you, CJ. to CJ's earlier point, it would help. <laughs> I think I wouldn't do it only because I didn't play long enough for it to 
lend me legitimate enough cred. Like, you know, like I would have had to have gone to an IMG like CJ or, or played on, you know, like when I walked on to Cal, I didn't play enough and long enough to get onto the floor, even for, you know. Let like the record reflect it. this fool just did it right now. Just <laughs> right now he did that shit. 100%. We know whatever the fuck he's telling you, dude. Look, actions speak louder than words. I think that might, this no, fool I, just I, casually mentioned. I didn't even know you walked on and Kel. Yeah, well, I just said that to remind Bram about the free throw contest. No, 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 no. He did that because that's actually what he would be doing, man. Like, I don't, don't even let him finish his bullshit response. No, because when you're doing that with pros, like when you're doing it at the NBA level, they're not going to be impressed with a walk-on like that. Here's what I just saw. You keep that in mind. He tried to tell you three ways because his first sentence was, I didn't really play at the right place. I didn't go to an IMG, but I could, he could tell from your facial expression, you weren't understanding exactly what you were saying. So then he immediately doubled down with, well, when I played at Cal, so no, dude, I don't. We know, we don't even have to listen to his answer, which brings you up, CJ. So I was going to say, given your response, the whole like, why wouldn't you? Of course you would. But instead, now I'm going to say, I hate your goatee. And because of that, I do think you were going to do it. So that's just, just what my feelings are. It is what it is. Now, jokes aside, I do think you'll do it. But I think it's super professionally done. I don't think you'd be like me. I don't think you push it. And I don't think you even push it in the first interaction. I think you would wait for a moment to, to lend it in there. Maybe like fifth or sixth question in. Because you know you've got that leeway. You're not going to force it. You seem to me like you're, you're capably socially. You know, you, you've, you've seen this movie before. So you do it, but you don't jump the gun. You do it in a very cool way uh, kind of thing. That's my guess. MT, what do you think? Yeah, I think he, he does it, but to your point, in a way that organically integrates it into the discussion. I don't think he just leads with it. Um, I think there's a certain understanding when you play it at it that level and, and, and higher, there's a certain um, unspoken kind of understanding of what that lifestyle means and what that grind takes out of you of, of, of what it means to be in that brotherhood or sisterhood. So I think it, it um, is something that you're proud of. And, you know, when you put in the work to make it to that level, you don't shy away from, from saying that you're part of the club, but there also comes that you know, humbleness of the fact that it's like, okay, I know that these cats, even on my best day, it's hard to beat, you know, cats at the NBA level on their worst day. So um, I think he works it in, but in a very organic and respectful way. You guys don't mind if I take off the sweatshirt and casually show my UC Santa Cruz jersey? <laughs> I mean, whatever. That's cool. I mean, I'm just, I'm just taking a second. I don't think Jenny will mind. CJ, what's the answer? Drum roll done. I have to say, hey, yo, we haven't even grabbed a beer yet, man. Like, <laughs> do you drop it do you that how do you keep it in pocket do the if i ask the golden state warriors right now would all of them say oh you mean that dude who always talks about auburn like what's the <laughs> what's the truth i definitely do it um you know from my times you know covering college and now in the league i definitely do it because again it's just like an easy icebreaker for guys now i am really subtle about it I'm just like, yeah, I used to play basketball at Auburn. You know, it'd be like, you know, I'm at, I'm, we're, we're in an interview, right? And, um, you know, just, 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 just making something up. Yo, yo, um, you know, James, like, what do you remember about those, you know, early practices when you were at Memphis, man? I remember when I was in college, right? You know, I mean, they, 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 they were, they were yeah. crazy. Now, now, I didn't really get a chance to be so subtle with the Warriors. First practice I went to out in Portland, Raymond Ritter, 
He's walking right through his players. This is CJ Holmes. He's our new San Francisco Chronicle beat writer, and he used to play for Auburn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, were you happy? Did you love that? When, like internally, were yeah, you like, yeah. Yes. Was, I mean, it was cool. I remember Clay was like, "Yeah, finally a hooper on the beat, right?" And oh, then, oh, let's go. And, and then like guys like Chris Gioza and Moses Moody, they're both SEC guys. Actually, actually, um. Sure. Actually played against Chioza when he was in college. Like my teams played against Chioza's Florida, Florida teams. Um, you know, Gary Payton the second. We played against his Oregon State team out in Vegas. You know what I'm saying? During the, the MGM something my junior year. Gold. My senior year, junior or whatever year. But um, you know, they're natural, they're natural icebreakers. And like with a guy like Moses Moody, I would like to think we're, you know, develop some developing some pretty good rapport. You know, first thing I said was like, dang, man, like Arkansas, I didn't have to storm the court like that. You know, upset us a couple <laughs> weeks ago and you know, the conversation kind of just like spun out from there. So, you know, I definitely I definitely see it as, as something that separates me from other journalists. You know, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it to my advantage. And, you know, I'm just thankful that, you know, I was put in that position all those years ago to, you know, be able to, you know, do that now. It's not thankful. You earned that position. And it's also this this goes into that that crossover we were talking about, like you put on your, you take off your jersey, you put on your clothes, you get back out there, you cover the girls. But that transition, you learn how to use these things, you know, how to subtly imply like, no, no, I'm one of you, you know, let's, let's explore this. I love the idea of, of Raymond saying that. And then like the camera pans over and you're actually out on the court balling. You're just, oh, wait, what, me? Oh, weird. Oh, I just, I just wanted to take some shots, but if you wanted to bring that up, you know, like no problem. CJ. Um, I was apprehensive, fired up, was excited to try this out. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed it, man. It, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that we can do this frequently. And I am positive. I'm not the only one thinking this way. For people out there who need more CJ Holmes in their life, where do they go? You guys can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at CJHolmes22. Uh, Moving forward, I'm going to try to start having more of a you know, multimedia aspect, you know, on my Instagram with my Warriors coverage. Um, I did a lot of that, you know, in my earlier days, kind of got away from it because I got to a point in my life where I was like, I'm on social media too much. So, uh, and I want a more like separation between like my Instagram account, which is like me and personal and like work. But, you know, that's what people want to see. You know, Slater's out here posting these videos, getting all that engagement. So, you know, in the spirit of competition, might as well find a way to, uh, you know, do a little bit of that. But I loved uh, your tweet that said ready to compete. I got it. I got fired up <laughs> your pin tweet talking about ready to compete. I love everybody's exactly been so right. great, though. You know, Kendra Slater. I mean, they've embraced me of open arms, helped me show the ropes. I mean, Kendra had to help me book my flights for this long game road <laughs> trips. I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, Slater's been great answering any questions I have and kind of showing me the lay of the land. And, you know, he, he might turn into a mentor. Who knows? But um, hey. <laughs> it's, it's been great. Um, they've been great. The beat's been great. You know, thank you so much for having me. And, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing this a lot. Yeah, cannot wait. For us, you want to reach out to us, let us know we did a good job, bad job, that you're positive I could beat the shit out of Marcus in any basketball-related competition, whatever, that you like my goatee, whatever it is you want to tell us. We can be reached up on our email accounts, probably the easiest. That one's huddle at Warriors Huddle. Uh, yeah, Warrior, huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We are also on social media, but only one location. Our Twitter account is at Warriors Huddle. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you next week.
Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.